0: One of the most terrifying prospects of a mystery is an unknown perpetrator pulling the strings, dedicating time and effort in order to torment others over long stretches of time. While it takes many people to make a community great, it only takes one to blanket it all in fear and leave people wondering behind locked doors and closed curtains if they'll be next. It happened in the quiet community of Circleville, Ohio, in 1976. A storm of anxiety and fear was heading for Circleville from nearby Columbus, Ohio. The storm came in the form of anonymous letters, postmarked but without a return address, just as they were surely intended. The letters reached numerous people throughout Circleville, Unwitting recipients opened the envelopes to find a strangely written letter. This letter contained what just about anyone would fear. The writer somehow knew some of the darkest, most intimate secrets of the residents of Circleville. Sometime later, an anonymous letter ended up in the hands of a bus driver named Mary Gillespie. In the letter, the writer had accused the married woman of something that shocked her, an affair. Mary had been in a faithful marriage with her husband, Ron, for years and, according to her, certainly wasn't having an affair. But the letter was a bit more specific. The writer claimed that they knew Mary was having an affair with the superintendent of the school system, Gordon Massey. Mary, being a bus driver, understood the possible complications that would arise if this kind of rumor were to begin spreading around. But there was no hiding it. The Circleville letter writer wouldn't have that. Eventually, word did get around like so many other rumors did concerning others. The people of Circleville were starting to look at each other differently as this unknown entity seemed hell-bent on destroying and exposing their lives. Some time later, Mary's husband received his own letter, and Mary remained steadfast against the rumors, insisting on her faithfulness and integrity. But all they could wonder is where the accusation was coming from, and who was making it to begin with who was dedicating countless hours to writing the anonymous letters which tormented the residents of Circleville. Sometime after, what most people feared could happen, did happen. Things escalated in an even darker turn of events, specifically for Mary. She received another letter from the anonymous writer. In it, they said, Gillespie. You have had two weeks and done nothing. Admit the truth and inform the school board. If not, I will broadcast it on CBS, posters, signs, and billboards until the truth comes out. This threat unsettled the family more than the previous letters had, so Mary and Ron got together with people they were closest with to discuss what possible actions to take. Among them was Ron's sister and her husband, Paul Freshour. Unfortunately, they were fighting an unseen enemy with copious amounts of time and willpower on their side. And with an ability to remain undetected. One particular letter turned up the heat. It read, Stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about knowing him. I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified and everything will be over soon. Whoever this writer was, they made the Gillespie's fear for the lives of their children. In 1977, the year after the letters began, the letters suddenly stopped. A quiet relief began to fall on the town as each resident hoped that the nightmare was finally over and they would no longer need to fear walking to their own mailbox. They'd no longer need to be paranoid if someone was watching them day in and day out, jotting down their secrets when they thought no one was looking. But it wasn't over. If anything, they were only at the very beginning. On August 17th of that same year, the Gillespie household received not a letter, but a phone call. Ron answered the phone and got into a heated discussion with whoever was on the other line. It was so heated that Ron, after a short time, slammed down the phone, grabbed his handgun, and ran out to his car without saying a single word to Mary. He slammed on the gas and drove off. That's when Mary's worst nightmare came to pass. Ron never returned home. He was found later, dead. His car had crashed into a tree and Ron was dead behind the wheel. Upon inspection by authorities, Ron's handgun had been fired. Yet there was no known cause for this, but it was unlikely that the gun had been fired as a result of the accident, as authorities, despite their rigorous inspection of the site, were unable to prove that it was, either by finding a bullet hole or a spent casing. The police ruled that the accident was caused by Ron driving drunk. Those who knew him said he never even drank heavily. Shortly after that, the letters made a return, and the sheriff was one of the people targeted. His letter accused him of conducting a cover-up based on Ron Gillespie's accident, that drunk driving wasn't the actual cause at all. Why the Circleville letter writer was angry about this was unknown, considering that it's been speculated that Ron was driving to find them. Perhaps the letter writer did come into contact with Ron once he had left his home. Perhaps he caused Ron's death, and maybe he was angry that he didn't get the credit he was due for it. All this aside, once more the town of Circleville felt the same sense of dread and fear that plagued their everyday lives. The letters were back in full force and the culprit was no closer to being caught. In a bizarre turn of events, Mary and the superintendent of schools, Gordon Massey, did confirm that they were indeed carrying on a relationship. However, they both insisted that the relationship only began after they had received letters. They connected due to the allegations and ended up becoming closer as a result in some strange form of a self-fulfilling prophecy. That aside, the letters continued to flow. It went on like that for seven years. The letters just continuing to come with authorities, having no way of finding out who was sending them. Mary and Gordon Massey continued to receive especially threatening letters. Then one day, while Mary was driving back along her bus route after dropping off her passengers, She was mortified to discover that the street was lined with signs, each one directed at Mary and carrying the same threatening and embarrassing tone. Shockingly, no one saw who put the signs up. It was as if they were dealing with a ghost. But Mary had had enough. She got out of the bus and stormed up to the first sign, which was stuck on a fence post. She took the sign down without realizing just how much danger she was in by doing so. Her surprising calmness when removing the sign saved her life as the sign had been rigged as a trap. It was connected to a small box. Inside the box was a pistol aimed right at Mary's face with wire connected to the trigger. The handgun trap was designed so that if someone aggressively ripped down the sign, it would have gone off. Mary gathered everything up carefully, put it all on the bus, and drove home to contact the police. The police arrived and disabled the trap before confiscating the handgun. When they inspected it closer, they noticed that the serial number on the weapon was partially scratched off, but not entirely. It was enough to trace the handgun back to a man that Mary knew personally, Paul Freshour, her former brother-in-law. The same man that had offered her support through the terrifying ordeal which lasted a long seven years was allegedly the culprit behind the dread of Circleville. However, on October 24, 1983, Paul stood trial and due to the firearm and a penmanship test that was found to be inconclusive, a jury sent Paul to prison for a sentence ranging from 7 to 25 years. It appeared as though Circleville was finally through what would have been the worst ordeal to ever sweep through the quiet town. But oddly enough, even after Paul was behind bars, the letters made a powerful return. For some time longer, the residents would yet again be pinned under the immense weight of their fear and paranoia. Perhaps the strangest part of all was that Paul Freshour also received his own letter, the writer laughing at him. The letter stated partially, Are you going to believe you aren't getting out of there? I told you two years ago, we set them up, they stay set up. Don't you listen at all. No one wants you out. No one. The joke is on you. Ha ha. Tell no one of this letter. Despite this, Paul did the remainder of his time being released after around 10 years in prison. He maintained his innocence without wavering until his death in 2012. So, what do you think? Was Paul guilty of being the Circleville letter writer, or did he just take the fall? Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange Podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says Support the Show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way, because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated, and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.